Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. We do management, promotion, and booking. If you are in entertainment and I can help you in any way, please feel free to get in touch. Check out nhte.net and explore the site. Also, be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Alabama, my guest is the founder of the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, which will celebrate its 10th such event in October. The festival is five days long and features approximately 75 songwriters who over the years have come from places like Nashville, as far away as Los Angeles, and even some from right there in Pensacola, Florida. Writers of songs that have become number one hits have participated in the annual event, which also features community outreach aspects that we will hear her talk about today. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Renita Cross. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. We're long overdue to do this. I'm glad to finally get you on. Yes, it has been way too long. Well, uh, first order of business is congratulations on what will be the 10th year for the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival this coming October. I got to wonder, when you first started it up, did you think you would make it to 10 years? You know what? I had no clue. I really (laughs) had no clue. When I was invited by one of the uh, restaurant owners from Pensacola Beach to come over and talk with them about doing a songwriter festival there, she said, let's just you know, let's just try it. And I said, well, okay, I've been in the business of doing this now for, at that time, for 15 years. And so we met in August, and October 1, we had our first festival. Two months later? Yes. Wow. We were like, we were going to try it, you know, see if this happens. People over there have no clue, had no clue at all about what Songwriters was, you know. And which is a sad, sad, sad thing because everybody needs to know who our songwriters are. But they didn't, you know, they were not used to that. They were used to people coming in. I mean, it's a beach town. So people come in and they play Jimmy Buffett songs, you know, and they're cover songs. And, and that's what they expect. So this was a whole different ball game for Pensacola Beach. And it went off so well. We came in with 22 writers, and a lot of them were local that year, so we could draw their following, too, and people would get to hear them sing their songs instead of hearing them sing cover songs. <laughs> so it was just it was just a great experience, and 10 years later, my husband and I are going, we did it! <laughs> well, you read so, my mind because I was going to ask you how many there were, how many songwriters participated at the first one and you just said 22 but you know I I also reacted to you saying that you did it in two months would you say it's to the point now where it's a year-long operation meaning that when the festival finishes you maybe take a week off and start right away on the next year's or is it well we don't take a week off we take a couple months off but um but it's not two months though oh no it's a monster now you know, it, it's really, it really takes a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot that you have to put into this. These festivals are run, of course, on sponsorship. And and in order to to get sponsors, you have to have something to offer them, you know. So it's a working, pro, uh, working process of, of making all that happen because a lot of people... They do their budgets in October when we are in October, you know. And so to try to juggle getting sponsorships ready for October for the next year, plus trying to do your festival for that year and get your sponsorships for that year, you know, it's, yeah, it's really kind of crazy. And and then some people do, you know, the yearly budget starting in January. So we do have 
had that little bit of a, a leeway to come back into that. But yeah, you, it's a year-round process. I like that there's a, a very big similarity to what you just described and to what artists themselves go through, which is all these artists want endorsements, but these companies are being hounded constantly by everybody who wants an endorsement deal. And unfortunately, we have too many artists that go in with their handout, whereas it's supposed to be an attitude of, well, what can you bring to this company? What can you give us that makes it worth it for us to do business with you? And you're saying you run into the same thing. The Songwriters Festival relies largely on sponsorships, but these sponsors aren't going to just say, oh, how nice you're doing something for Pensacola Beach. They want to know from you, well, what are we going to get out of it? Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, we are in the time in our life where there is so many things going on, such as, not to be a downer here, but such as cancer and, and autism and, and our military. I mean, there's so many people that have these unbelievable, worthy causes out there that people donate for, you know, and, and it's like, I understand where these sponsors come from because every time kind of that they turn around, you know, they've got another person saying, why should I sponsor this? And so it, it's, uh, it's something that you have to offer them. And, and we have found with what Jim and I do with the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival that our main goal has always been the arts for the children because, of course, the arts is the first thing that's depleted out of your school program when there's cut. The arts are gone. So we have kind of dedicated the Pensacola Beach Songwriter Festival to working with children in the school, a type of words with music program to benefit our local schools. Um, so we actually have songwriters that we take to the schools. They write songs with the children. They perform them. We video them. They're so fun. I mean, they just have a blast. You know, they we'll do it in the band room with with one of the classes, and they, you know, they have their little tambourines out, and they really get into <laughs> it, and they. By the end of the end of the session, that they, they know the whole song. You know, we write it up on the board, and it, it's just an amazing um, to watch. It's so amazing to watch these children just kind of like, oh wow, that's what that's really like. Hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. to write songs. And let me tell you, some of these kids. This was hilarious. Um, we went to the fourth grade class on the Pensacola Beach, uh, the beach school. And those kids, we kind of challenged them to write songs ahead of time. And the teacher yeah. worked with them, and they did. And the day that we went in with the songwriters, and the songwriters had put music, to a melody to their lyrics. Uh-huh. And so, so the writers are sitting there, and they're playing their melody and singing the song the way that they kind of interpreted it, you know. And, and then when that's over, the whole thing was over, and we were all about to leave, these two little girls that wrote one of the songs, they came up to one of the songwriters and they said, can we sing you the way that song is really supposed to go? <laughs> now, how fun is that? That's you know, cool. Is that the That's cool thing? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it gets, and, it gets their minds working. It gets the wheels turning. And it shows that they do have some sort of comprehension of what it takes to build these songs. Sure. And not every child is cut out for sports. I mean, I I love sports. I'm a huge football fan, you know, and, and all that. My grandkids play, you know, and all that. But but not every child is cut out for sports. And they need an outlet also, you know. Yeah. They they need that they need that support of it's okay, buddy, you know, or it's okay, sweetheart. You don't, you don't have to do that. Yeah, you know? here's an alternative for you. Exactly. Well, getting exactly. back to the the approach with the sponsors, does it make a difference at all that you are set up as a 501c3, that they, that they maybe take a different view of it because it's nonprofit, or does that not come into play? It, it just still boils down to what are my sponsorship dollars going to return for me? I will say that it 
it has made a difference to be a 501 because some people won't even talk to you if you're not a 501. Mm. Um, but, but the people that really understand what we're doing and are really part of the music or love music or understand it really hasn't mattered to them because you can also with with this type of, of deal we do an advertise we do a booklet and you can advertise in that booklet so they can they can you know come in with a sponsorship as as an advertisement for that for the booklet or or just advertising they can write it off like that so um but in order to get like bigger sponsors, the five hundred one is definitely you know way the way to go. Okay, um, okay. Well, we're going to talk today. We're going to talk today about how much really goes into putting on a songwriters festival. Even when you're putting on an event like that in Pensacola Beach, Florida, it's not all sunshine and sand all the time. As a result, Renita, what is it that has kept you going? you know, coming back and coming back every year to continue putting the festival on despite all those challenges? Heart. I mean, that that's just the plain, simple word. It's, it's I believe with all my heart in what I do. And I believe that a world without music would be lost. I, I you know, I just feel like the music is the center of our universe. And without it, you know, it, it just it just would be a really sad place to live. And then the songwriters, I believe in the songwriters, of course, because they create this. Whether it's a melody, whether it's lyrics, they create what we hear, no matter where we hear it. If it's background music, you're still aware that there's music there, you know. And, I mean, you can be see, sitting in, and have a great conversation with somebody and somebody's playing in the background and for me i want to sing you know i just kind of want to want to sing something and um because it it's just in my heart and the writers are underpaid they're they're not there's no respect for the writers um and i and because people don't think about them i i just feel like that people do not really think about who creates this music when you can turn on the radio and you can listen to um, Kelsey Ballerini or or uh, Alan Jackson or, you know, or Kelly Clarkson or sure, whoever. Sure. You can hear all those people, and a lot of those are writers also. You know, some of these, some of these people do write, but, but they don't always write their songs. Yep. And when they turn on the radio and they hear these songs and they're singing along, probably it doesn't even matter to most people, you know, who wrote that song. But that's why it's so important that I feel the songwriters need to be front and center as well. You know, they shouldn't be in the background. Well, let's go ahead. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but let's go ahead and talk about what a lot of those challenges are that people might not be aware of. Because in all my years in the music business, I have actually heard people say, I think I might want to put on a songwriters festival. Or or they'll say to me, you know, insert location here would be a great place to put on a songwriters festival. I want to look into trying to get something going. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? So, Renita, share with the listeners why it's much more easier said than done putting on a songwriters festival. Well, if if you're in it for the heart, then that's great. You know, go for it and and get it done. If you if you're going into it thinking that you're going to maybe be able to make some kind of a living on that, you can forget that. <laughs> it it just doesn't work like that. You know, especially I guess it, you know also being a five hundred one. But even before we were five hundred one, it was still. In order to get sponsors and, and for people to sponsor what you're doing, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, just like I, I said before, with there being so many things out there, you know, that people are needing money for. It is a major challenge. And if you don't have that backing and and the support, for instance, if you're in, in Tampa, you know, a, a small community in Tampa somewhere and 
and you want to do something, if that community does not get on board with you, if that if that little city or little suburb, a suburb out of Tampa does not get on board with you and lend their their helping hand and their support, it's very difficult to make this work. And it is a challenging thing. I mean, every year you think, why am I going to do this again? Why am I going to do this again? I mean, every year. Even our 10th anniversary, it's like, okay, are we going to really do this again? <laughs> well, sure we are, you know. But um, it, it's very, that's not, I guess that's the hardest thing is is the getting the funding to do this. Because, you know, when you invite a songwriter down from wherever, you know, I mean, you know, you were saying earlier, you know, we've had L.A., of course, and, and Nashville, and we've had New York, people from New York. This year we got people coming in from Montana. We've actually had people from Norway come over. Um, so they do come. They do hear about it from all over the world and uh, with with the social media out there, which is has been in the past, a, you know, a really good marketing tool. Um, but... They hear about these, and they want to get their music out there, and they're willing to pay for their trips over here, you know, mm. and, and to try to come to this, to, to have somebody hear what they do, because not everybody wants to hear that. You yeah, know, they want to yeah. hear the other stuff. So uh, in order to get people here, if you get so many people, if you have a, a nice little crowd, it's very hard to pay them a lot of money because you have so many you know, yeah, yeah. So, so that's a a challenge. But to offset that, we offer them lodging. Well, then you have that expense of lodging, or either you go and you beg a lot, get used <laughs> to begging because begging is the main thing that you do. Well, sure, because because you even have to beg for volunteers. You know, I mean, we're there, we're barely scratching the surface here. I mean, trying to schedule you know, 60 to 75 songwriters so that everybody's happy over the course of three or four or five days. And there's the list goes on of all the, you know, feeding everybody. And and that's the thing that I'm talking about that I think if you're someone that says, I think I want to put on a songwriters festival, you're probably doing it from the heart and not from the business mind where all you're thinking is there's some people making some great original music out there that more people need to hear. Yes, that's true. None of us are disagreeing with that. But until you start drilling down and thinking of things like, well, how am I going to market this? Is anybody going to show up for it? Where am I going to get volunteers from? How can I schedule all those people? What about people that need some housing? What about, And all these things that we're talking about, that's where I think the big picture gets lost, that it just kind of becomes this, oh, wouldn't it be nice? And I go, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to be at Bora Bora right now, you know, on a week's vacation and not have a care in the world? Yeah, but easier said than done. Uh, so easier said than done. And I mean, you you hit on a on a great subject, volunteers. You know, how do you tell a volunteer you have to be there? You know, <laughs> what do you mean I have to be there? I'm a volunteer. You know, I, I volunteer not, and I'll try to make it. It's like you, but we can't depend on try to make it because. Somebody has to be there to check these people in, or somebody has to be there to announce them on stage. There's always, can you have a volunteer to run do errands? I mean, there are so many things that volunteers are so important. And if you don't have a good set of volunteers, you're in trouble. I mean, you are in trouble because being able to afford a paid staff is is kind of out of the question until you can you know, get get some really great funding in. And so everything runs on volunteers. Yep, yep. And recruiting that is a different ballgame. So. Let's talk now to the songwriters who are listening that want to know how they can get accepted to play. I'm going to just say at a songwriters festival in general, not necessarily Pensacola Beach, because I'd just like to hear your advice on that, because I know that, that you are besieged every year with guys and gals wanting to come come perform at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. What is your advice to a songwriter who's listening right now that says, that's something that I've always wanted to do. I want to get to play at more songwriters festivals. Don't give up. Keep trying. You know, you you have 
for the most part, I think everybody, uh, all the songwriters' events or festivals, they have applications that you apply through. Uh, some of the smaller ones are by invitation only, but, but the big ones are you apply, you go in and you, you fill out your information and you, and you provide a very good bio. You know, let them know what you do. Let them know who you are. And, and you give them um, music. You, they have to be able to hear you. And most of the writer, most of the songwriter festivals also have a, a small board that, you know, that uh, member, board members that these songs go through. And so when you send that demo in, make that demo the best demo you've got. Mm. And, and don't just send one song, send a couple, you know, send two or three, four, whatever. Okay. You know, because, because people need to be able to hear what you do. And, and I, to everybody out there, I am telling you guys, the best song I ever heard will never be on the radio. And, and that's a fact. There are so many awesome, beautiful songs that, you know, people play, people write every day that unfortunately will probably never make it on the radio. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that as a downer. I'm encouraged. That's an encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Believe in your song, believe in what you do. Uh, because if you don't come across as believing in what you do, then the, the audience is not going to either. Yep. And so I would just say apply, 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 and don't take it to heart if you don't get accepted, you know, because I probably get a couple of thousand a year mm. uh, of people wanting to get in, and and it's just impossible. We're a small festival. You know, Pensacola Beach is a small island, you know, connected only with a bridge to the mainland. And we don't have the space for more than probably 100 writers, you know, yeah. which is what we're going to have this year. Um, but it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of festivals that are, that are larger. And you have to have those writers. You, you know, you have to have the writers that have some of the number one hits because you have to be able to have a draw. You know, yeah. you have to have people understand that, Oh my gosh! I, and I'm going to use Jim McBride for an in, for an example because I know he doesn't mind. Jim McBride wrote um, Neon Rainbow and Chattahoochee and a lot of great songs with Alan Jackson. Well, when you say Alan Jackson, people know that. That's and right. That's so right. You can relate those two together and say, Oh, I think I might want to go hear how this guy sings that. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, listeners, if you're someone who's listening to this episode and you're thinking about attending the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival just as a listener, yes, there are some people there that have written hit songs, but there are also people there that have written the songs that Renita is referring to that are fantastic songs, and you will literally hear them say, how are you not on the radio? And and we've, by the way, we've had people like that on this show, uh, episode 41 uh, I know I'm going way back here in the NHTE archives, but go back and listen to some of these. Episode 41 was C.J. Watson. Episode 28 was Melissa Joyner. Heck, way back, uh, episode 9 was Melissa Bretthauer, who now goes by Melissa Brett. But uh, these are people that have played at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. So if you want to go just to listen to the music, you will hear some wonderful, wonderful songs. And listeners, I will be back at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival again later this year, and you can be assured that I will record interviews there for Now Hear This Entertainment with more people that perform at that. I'm able to do so thanks to Tascam, who has outfitted me with not only the equipment that I'm using right now to record this conversation with Renita, as well as what I will use in post-production on this episode, but even things like the DR44WL handheld recorder and the Tascam TM60 microphones that I will connect to that both of those are good options if you want to record a song. By the way, uh, if you just have an idea, you're a songwriter, that's a good tool to use. I used to go to the festival with my Tascam Mini Studio Creator, which is an audio interface that musicians can use as well. Heck, maybe by October I'll be ready to do more with video, in which case, uh, for those of you producing content for your YouTube channel, I will get with Tascam to sort through their various 
audio for video options. Look at all of these solutions and other recording options at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Renita, getting back to songwriters looking to get into songwriters festivals, I think it's also important to talk about having the right attitude going into such an event. I'm talking about everything from not expecting to get paid to play, not making demands for, say, a hotel room to be comped, not bringing an ego around the other songwriters, well, heck, around anyone at the festival for that matter, and so on. Just just talk about all that. Oh, my gosh, did you hit on something so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, the stories that I could tell. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, uh, please have a great attitude. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I can say. No, it's it's very very difficult when um, when you do have people that that come in with a with the attitude, and you know it's it's um, it's it's hard to work with someone that is not a. I mean, when you're dealing with this many songwriters and this many volunteers and this many venues, the last thing you need is for someone to have an attitude uh, because you've already got probably you're working with three or 400 people by the time you factor in everybody. And and to have an attitude, uh, granted, you will not be back for sure. (laughs) And... Or you won't be a venue for sure, or you whatever you, you know the attitude might be from. I mean, it's it's just too hard. It's it's too hard to to bring that many people together and that many moving parts. It's like a, everything you do is a chain reaction. Okay, so if I have a schedule made, and all of a sudden the schedule has gone to print, okay. And then I have a songwriter that didn't get put with the person they wanted to be with or whatever, and then they have an attitude, and then they pull out. Okay, so then I have to go into a chain reaction with, I've got to fill this, this spot. Well, now it's already gone to print, so I'm not going to be able to do anything with print. And then it's going to come out wrong, and then you're going to have on your website a whole different schedule than mm. you've got in print. I mean, it just... Everything that happens is a chain reaction. Uh, One year, uh, for instance, I had a venue scheduled. I mean, this was a venue, and they had scheduled for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay, so I had probably total for that, for those those three days, I probably had 20 writers playing. Mm. And... On two days before the festival started, that venue closed their doors. Oh, boy. Closed their doors. Yeah, so that's not even anything to do with the festival itself. It's just, hey, look, we're out of business. We're out of business. has nothing to do with us. We're out of business. Thank you for giving me a heads up. Yeah, because now it has everything to do with you. You're out of business. Now it has everything to do with my festival. Totally. Everything. I have 20 writers that are guaranteed, you know, at least three shows, and I have nowhere to put them. Mm. So I start trying to move people around, and then you start trying to put them on other shows, other venues. You don't have the budget for that, for that other venue, and it just turns into a nightmare. So if you really want to play a festival and you really, really want to To be a part of the songwriting community, and and be uh, and and just be a a good person to work with, you know, then then come with the attitude that hey, I'm here to learn what I can learn, whether I've already had a hit or not. I still get to see some of my buds that I don't other you know don't otherwise get to see, and. I'm, I'm going to be learning, you know, there might be somebody else or, or I might see somebody that wants to write with me because exactly. they like what I just did, Exactly. you yeah. know, and there's so many great, great, great opportunities at the songwriter festivals for people to be able to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned, you know, you might see some of your buds. Well, you might make some new buds, you know, if you go in there open-minded and you don't 
act like a prima donna, all of a sudden you're going to make some valuable connections that you wouldn't have otherwise had if you hadn't gotten the opportunity to be at that festival. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if someone does an e-introduction to connect you with a referral that might want to do business with you, don't reply to it by telling that prospect to call you. You're the one that's looking for the sale. You need to go get it. Don't tell that person that they need to contact you. Thank the person who's making the connection and then kindly tell the person that you will be calling them to say hello and talk about getting together to meet in person. Remember, they have something you want, business. So don't put the ball in their court and just sit back and expect them to jump. You need to listen to their goals and objectives and then offer options to help them achieve those. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. I do want to go back and mention our, our dear friend, Hope Cassidy, who is uh, in some, some bad health right now. She was on this show as well. She's a friend of the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, episode 13. And shame on me, episode one, the first ever episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, was Shauna P., who made a name for herself on The Voice. And the only reason I ever got to know her was thanks to the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival. Uh, and and I really want to give a, a public apology to Renita for taking so long to have her on. This is really the, only the second time that we've ever had someone on this show that could speak from this perspective. Episode 47 was Ty Rodriguez, the executive director of the Gasparilla Music Festival here in Tampa Bay. So um, I'm really excited to finally have this time to talk with Renita and hopefully educate those of you who are listening, whether it's from a business perspective of what it takes to run a songwriters festival, whether you're a songwriter or Renita. I even talked briefly about the listeners who think they want to, you know, show up at a songwriters festival just just as a fan. But I, I want you, I can do it, but I'd rather they hear it from you just to, to paint a picture for them of what the scene is so that they know what a songwriters festival is, but also what it isn't. Because I think people hear a music festival and they just picture this massive venue where all the music takes place only there. And it's kind of one act after the other, you know, for a couple of days. And that's not what a songwriters festival is. So just kind of describe and, and like I said, if you could kind of paint a picture, and then maybe you can even explain about what a listening room is. Absolutely. No, it, it's not at all a, a big big stage with, you know, and, and we do, we will have, you know, a couple of stage, uh, like this year, we're going to do, um, we're going to do a gospel show on Sunday, and it will be on the boardwalk this year at the Shell, which is beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful background, providing it doesn't rain. Uh, so you do have a, a little amphitheater for some things, but most all, all of your shows are held in uh, a restaurant or, or bar, and a lot of them don't even have stages. You know, you just kind of set up on the floor, and, and then we sell, we sell tickets for some of those, which will be a listening room. And a listening room is when you actually you come into that room knowing that you're going to sit there for that show, whether it's uh, an hour or a couple of hours. If it's dinner, it's usually two and a half hours. And you're going to listen, and you're not going to be in there to talk and, and find out what your neighbor's doing or whatever's going on in your life. Only The only thing going on in your life at that moment is going to be those songwriters that are on that stage or on the floor up there playing their songs for you and and giving them the respect that they deserve. We also have the outside venues, which is a little bit harder to, to make that happen. But with some of the venues, or most of the venues, we actually put the tables up front you know, so that people can't get up and dance. And 
even outside, you get those people because they now know what's going on, that they come up so that they can hear the stories uh, behind these songs. And, and, you know, these songs that they write, a lot of them are life experiences. And they will tell you about those life experiences before the song starts so that you kind of know where the song's going. And, and if you don't pay attention, then you don't, you don't know anything about what's going on. And, yeah. and people are, are, are really learning to do that now. I mean, of course, you know, we're in our 10th year. But um, in the beginning, it wasn't quite so easy. And we had to find those dinner-type things in order to educate people so now mm. after they, they you know, came to something like that, then they can go to the other venues that are outside and, and understand, and they can go up front, and they can hear it. And, and it's word of mouth, too. You know, tell the person next to you, uh, say, tell your friends, tell everybody what this is all about and let them come experience the whole, the whole festival because once they do that, then they're hooked. I mean... I've I've had people that were down at Pensacola Beach for just a vacation from Colorado, and now every year they come back because they've never seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and listeners, I think it's important that you also understand that you're not going to hear cover songs. I mean, that's the essence of what Songwriters Festivals are all about is... Yes, you might hear a song that you recognize, but it's because the person on stage wrote it. It's not because they're covering something. So don't be disappointed when you don't hear cover songs. And secondly, I want you to picture these are songwriters and their guitar, and that's all. There's no drums. There's no, you know, there's, this isn't a full band s- situation. These are songwriters playing their guitar and, as Renita said, pouring their heart out and telling you the stories behind the song. So we want you to have the right picture in your mind so you can go into this thing and have your expectations be met and not say, this wasn't what I thought it was at all. Unless you're going to say that in a highly complimentary way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Be prepared because it's a whole new experience. Yep. Yep. Uh, Renita, you spent a lot of years working with the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival, which takes place every year on the Alabama-Georgia border, or I'm sorry, Alabama-Florida border. Is is that how you made so many connections? Because I'm thinking back to my first question at the start of today's show, and I referred back to when you first started up the festival. And I wonder, how did she get all these songwriters, especially from up in Nashville, to come to a brand new event? That's exactly how I met a lot of them. I, I ran the Frank Brown Festival for 15 years, and... When it when I first started over there, it was a, a smaller smaller event, and I met the you know the writers that had been coming, and through them, I met you know a few more writers, which eventually took me to Nashville, and I started meeting with the with the people with BMI and ASCAP and CSAC, and and they introduced me to more writers, and uh, I, I would okay. say probably over the years, you know, and then I, and then I got into the publishing companies and, um, okay. so I, I mean, I met, I went to universal and met a whole bunch of people there, universal publishing and, uh, mosaic at the time was a really big publishing company there. I just, mm-hmm. I, I really became friends with a lot of people in the industry and which led into them introducing me to the right writers and, uh, the next person that I needed in line. Gotcha. I even got gotcha. into the CMAs one year, wow. you know, which was wow. really cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of history-type questions, I, I think you might have already answered this. I was going to ask you, why Pensacola Beach, by the way? How does someone who lives in Alabama decide, I want to start up a songwriters festival, and I want to hold it down in Pensacola Beach? But I think, did, did you already answer that when you were saying about someone at a restaurant there called you in to meet and said, how about if we do this? Is, is that how it became Pensacola Beach? Well, it is, but... Well, I, I didn't always live in Alabama. I lived in, in Pensacola um, ah, okay. until the oil spill hit in 2010 and moved to the country in 2011. Okay. So I actually lived in Pensacola, and when I was booking Frank Brown, we did a couple of shows over on Pensacola Beach. Ah. Quite a long way, but we still did a couple of shows over there for a few years, and then... 
all of a sudden, you know, it, we weren't doing them over there any, anymore simply because it was such a long way. So the girl that I used to book at her place at the Paradise Bar and Grill, she called, she's the one that called me and said, can you, since y'all aren't doing anything over here anymore, can you just come over here and start a festival? And I'm uh, like, okay. well, I don't know so much about that. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of how it all got started. Okay. She, okay. she invited us over to do that, yes. Okay. Listeners, I am joined today by Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival founder Renita Cross. Visit the event's official website at PensacolaBeachSongFest.com. This year is the 10th edition of the event. It will take place from October 3rd to the 7th. If you would like to attend as a fan, admission to most venues is free. The festival is on social media, too. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and information. A reminder that our show is all over social media, too. Just head to nhte.net, and then from there you can pick the appropriate icon, or icons, plural, for where you would like to engage with us. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, heck, even LinkedIn. And to clarify, in addition to our Facebook page, there is also a button there at nhte.net to go join our Facebook group. Renita, it seems like there are just more and more songwriters festivals turning up these days. How does that make you feel to, to see so many other songwriters festivals getting started? Do you view them as competition or is it hey, it's good for songwriters and promoting original music, or what? It should never be a competition. Ever, ever, never should be a competition. I am so excited when I see another songwriter festival <laughs> pop up because it supports it supports our guys and girls that are out there working so hard to make a living to try and, and offer something for all of us. And and I just I just feel like the more support, the more recognition that we can give all of them, I'm I'm all I'm all behind it. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, let's let's combine a couple things here to to get me to my next question. When you consider the business aspect of putting on a songwriters festival, so a little earlier I had you talk about things that go into putting on a songwriters festival that people don't think about. You know, for those people that do say, "Hey, I think I want to start one up." And now I just asked you about all those that are starting up. Yet, when I was plugging the event in its website and social media, I mentioned that fans can attend the majority of the performances for free. Why is that? Why not try to offset some expenses by charging fans to come hear the music at the various stages throughout the festival? So many of our stages are outside uh, with Pensacola Beach. Some of the other festivals, not so much. But we are on the beach, and most of the music venues are outside. And some of the dinner shows that we do are really not set up for a venue, uh, you know, like I said, with a stage and, and that type thing, because they're a restaurant, and, and mm. their, ban- their banquet room is what they offer for us to be able to make this happen. Okay. So their music... A lot of of the restaurants that are, that are part of this is set up outside, but it's that's you know weather permitting. So, luckily, with most of the venues that are set up outside, we do have a place that we can actually go and, and you know it will cover you. But it, it's kind of hard for us to be able to do something like that. A lot of the festivals do. I mean, some of the festivals charge. You know, they they charge pretty good for their events, but all of their venues are inside. And the other thing is, too, though, uh, Bruce, I I love the fact that we don't have all paying venues and that we do have those venues outside because it's, it's just like the lady and her husband that were in from Colorado that happened to come in to the fest that weekend and be at the festival if they had not been sitting outside at Paradise uh-huh. eating and heard the music, and then the next night they went to a listening room, I mean, then they would have not ever known yeah. anything about Good it. Good point. Good point. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I get that the listening rooms to have a, a big overall charge, you know, and and have the listening rooms. I I love that. I love that because 
You know, people do come in, they listen. But I also love the fact that we don't have that, too. Well, and the other thing is that it leaves these people available to support the songwriters because they didn't have to pay to come and listen to the show. It leaves them available to be able to support the songwriters by buying their CD when the show is over and they say, wow, he was great. She was great. I I want to go and buy their CD from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just that I just feel like we have something for everybody and and I feel like that's what it should be about. Yeah, and as you just described, logistically in some places, as much as you might want to consider it from a business standpoint, it's just logistically not possible to try to control charging people to come in to listen. Right. Uh, right. We're almost out of time, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about some of the festivals off the stage initiatives. You were talking about the schools before. I know uh, the veterans is also uh, one group that, that you really try to do work for through the, the festival. Just tell listeners a little bit more about those efforts. We, for the first time, I, I have a friend that he's a lieutenant colonel with the Marines, and he's retired, but he and I were friends. We, he was always raising money, you know, to help with the with the Wounded Warriors, or the, or the A-Hero, he's with A-Hero, and to build a monument downtown and, and those kind of things. So we, we kind of on the, on the same uh, team there trying to get a sponsorship from our local Santa Rosa Island Authority. And, and so Dave, we met with Dave, and, and we became friends. And so Dave approached me about some of his veterans that were writing songs and Bob Reagan out of Nashville, who has been to the Songwriters Festival, started a program called Operation Song. Bob travels all around the world working with veterans that uh, have PTSD or, or disabled, you know, their families that have had to deal with their their husband or their wife being deployed and, and what all they went through and so Bob had started the Operation Song program. So I called Bob and I said, you know, this is really uh, interesting, and I and I, you know, really want to support our veterans. My husband's a veteran, and I and I want to do something with them, and I'm not sure what. So we started kind of piecing all this together, and I met one of I met a veteran that his helicopter crashed in Afghanistan, and Mm. they were leaving them. They were going to leave them because they felt that no one was still alive. Wow. So luck would have it or or whatever, you know, they turned back, his friend turned back around and just did a flyover, and sure enough, out of the seven, five were still alive. Mm. And Cody was one of those. And... He, you know, of course, was broken all up, back broken. I mean, he was broken really bad. And so he was, you know, sent to hospital after hospital after hospital and filled with opioids and drugs and opioids and opioids, just on and on and on. And he was so addicted that he couldn't even function, you know, and you know how that all is going with, you know, the addiction that we have with the drugs. And, And so... Cody finally picked up a guitar and he started pouring all of this out mm. into songs. And just, I mean, it just went on and on and on. He is now opioid-free for 10 years. Oh, beautiful. And I heard that story and my heart just, I mean, this is, this is we're going to be a part of this. And it's music as therapy is what we're doing. And so we did our first show last year during the festival, and it was amazing. It was just so amazing. You know, Cody got up and told his story, as did several other ones, and we met an Army chaplain who is now, I mean, he's just kind of like totally come out of his shell, and and he's he's traveling the country now helping people doing this, this, you know, riding with these people. And so it went over so well that we, you know, of course talked about having another one for this year, but in the meantime, we ended up having one in March, and we brought Operation Song in, and we did a workshop uh, where they actually 
brought veterans in, uh, husbands and wives, and they worked with them for two days, and we did a show with them performing. And I'm telling you, that is probably the most rewarding thing that I can ever have witnessed. <laughs> I, I'm it, laughing. It I'm laughing because I have this question written here that was going to be my last question to you, and I was going to say that I know you don't get a ton of time during the festival to actually just sit and watch and and listen. And I was going to ask you, is there a favorite part of the festival that you look forward to every year? And <laughs> I'm thinking you're going to say, I just told you what it is, but uh, yeah. let's let's have you pick another one. <laughs> well, that. listen, I, I, I do, uh, all of it. I guess my favorite part of the festival is because I, I'm running through the whole shows. But after all the shows are over with, and some of the writers will just kind of gather around, you know, and, and we'll sit there until they'll sit there till two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, just passing the guitar around, singing songs, and and I get to hear that. I get to be there. I get that emotional part. I get the part that they're not having to perform on stage. They're just here with friends, and they're and they're pouring out their heart, or they're they're playing a funny song, or you know, <laughs> it, that's the part that is just the most special. To me, beautiful, beautiful, and and listeners, I hope that you have heard how much truly there is because I think people think of the sun, the sand, and the songs, and I didn't. That wasn't intentional, the alliteration there, but there's obviously so much more going on. Yes, it, it's all about the music, but you hear the story of, and and we all know this, you know how therapeutic music could be, how it's there for us in emotional times, both the highs and the lows. But you hear things about what the PBSF is doing in the schools. You hear about what's going on with the veterans. And there's so much to this event that I'm glad that we were able to bring this episode to you so that people can get a better understanding of this isn't something that you just show up and you go, oh, they're playing some good music. And you have a Pepsi, you have a fish sandwich, and you leave and you go, that was cool. It's like, wow, you you, you kind of missed a whole lot more <laughs> that's going on. Anyhow, I'll get off my soapbox, and uh, I know it's still four and a half months away, but Renita, congratulations on 10 years, and certainly all the best for this year's event, and thanks for taking time to talk with me today. Oh, I enjoyed it, Bruce. Thank you so much, and I will see you in October. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival founder Renita Cross. Check out the event's official website at PensacolaBeachSongFest.com. We will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Again, this year's event will take place from October 3rd to the 7th. If you would like to attend as a fan, admission to most venues is free. The website will give you all those details. The festival is on social media too. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and information. And as I mentioned previously, we too are on social media. It's as simple as just heading to nhte.net. And then from there, you can pick the appropriate icon or icons, plural, for where you would like to engage with us. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, even LinkedIn. And again, just to clarify, in addition to our Facebook page, there is also a button there at nhte.net to go join our Facebook group. That will do it for this week, episode 224. I will talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. <laughs>